Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Today we will see the cost of Israel's defeat. It paralyzed them and made them doubt God's love, power, and promises. It brought them into a depression and mourning because they were left hopeless without a purpose and a cause. Today we'll see God's faithfulness to them as He shows them the cure for defeat. Part three of Cheryl's message titled, The Cause, Cost, and Cure for Defeat. So you have that throughout the Bible. It'll often tell you the end story, the scenario, and then the next chapter will bring out the details. So here in verse one, we have the very the first cause. It's because somebody has taken of the accursed thing. The children of Israel committed a trespass. A trespass is a direct violation against God's word. They went against the word of the Lord. The word here for trespass is the word ma'al, or uh, we get it like malicious, malintent. It has to do with a treacherous act. They took the cursed thing. They held things that were cursed. The curse was on the very items that they took. God said, these items are cursed. They're cursed. It's the items themselves that bear the curse. And as long as they held those items, they were also cursed. The Bible tells us that sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 14.34. And even though the children of Israel were unaware, the sin was still there. And the repercussions of that sin were still occurring. The curse was in the camp of Israel. God saw it and he could not bless Israel. He could not prosper Israel. He couldn't bring Israel into the promised land as long as the curse remained in the camp and on the camp. Again, it was a direct violation of God's word to Israel. They had been commanded. They had been warned. Joshua 6, 18. And you, by all means, keep yourselves from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But Achan, this man Achan, thought he could ignore God's command ignore God's warning and still enrich his life at no cost to himself, no cost to his family and no cost to the nation of Israel. The second cause, 
This was not Achan's, but this was on Joshua and the leaders of the people. And it's presumption. And we see it in verses two and three. Joshua sends spies to assess the strength and size of the enemy. This is a danger to judge the enemy by our seeming strength. Oh, I've got this one. I'm strong enough for this one. Have you ever done that? I'm strong enough to take this sin. I'm strong enough to defeat this. I can do this one for God. The spies came back to report that AI would only require about two to 3,000 men and not the whole camp of Israel. We've looked at it. It's nothing compared to Jericho. I mean, Jericho was big. It was strong. We needed God on that one. But this one, we can do it for God. That's presumption. Joshua relied on the word of the spies rather than seeking the word of the Lord. In Joshua 5, because Joshua felt overwhelmed by Jericho, he was seeking the Lord and he's walking. And the commander of the Lord's army appears to him and says, follow me. Remember, Joshua says, are you for us? Are you for your enemy? And the commander of the Lord's army says, no, but I've come as the commander of the Lord's army to lead you into all the promises. This is the way into the promises by following the commander. But now they're saying, we don't need the commander. We just need like two to 3,000 men and we've got this taken care of. But God has the plan for victory. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. The victory is by following, not by leading, but by following, by seeking out the plan of God and getting into the plan. You know, prayer, we often think of prayer as getting our will accomplished as, all right, God, this is what I want. Now follow me. But you know what prayer is? Prayer is opening our eyes to the commander and bringing us into the plans and purposes of God. It's that alignment of getting us behind the Lord. But this is presumption. And there is a pride in presumption because we think we know what we're doing. Joshua thought he knew what he was supposed to do. The spies thought they knew what they were supposed to do. We just attack, we take it down, we take the strongest men, we got this. This is a big, big cause of defeat when we judge by sight and not by prayer. When we do not seek the leading of the Lord and we forget or neglect to even ask for his plan, for his ways. It just looks so easy. We think we can take it. We can do it. Maybe you had what looked like an easy child. Like this one's my good one. This one's my gold one. Now I need help with these other three, but this one I got. This one, I've obviously done it right. And then that child hits 14 and all hell breaks loose and you don't know what you're doing. And you find that everything you've ever done is counterproductive and it's not working on this one. 
and you're feeling defeated. You're like, how old are you? And you've defeated me? Defeat, because we're overconfident in our methodology. Well, I've guarded them from everything. We're overconfident in our parenting skills. We're overconfident in our experience. We're overconfident in ourselves. And we have attributed past victory to something we've done. I think of the church of Laodicea and and Jesus says, you're lukewarm because you think you're rich, we're full and we have need of nothing. And you haven't come to me for your clothing. You haven't come to me for your perspective. You haven't come to me for your nourishment and your sustenance. And I'm challenging you to buy and to come to me for everything, lest I spew you out and have nothing to do with you. The third cause of defeat for Israel was underestimating the enemy. We see that in verses 3b and 4a. AI looks small. It was not as big, fortified, strong by appearance as Jericho. This one they thought they could easily handle. They didn't think they needed God's help. It's so little. They didn't think they needed God's battle plan. They didn't think they needed the full force of Israel. I don't need my brothers and sisters for this one. I can do this one all by myself. And they judged by their sight rather than by God's perspective. They measured the enemy against their own self-image. We're warriors. We've got the promises. We're going forward. You see, you can have the promises of God, but you have to be led by God, by Jesus, by Joshua, into the promises. There's never a time that we deserve any of the promises of God. They are all ours only through Jesus. Peter made this mistake of underestimating the enemy. When Jesus told him that he and all the other disciples were going to fall prey to the enemy. And Peter looks at him and says, Jesus, mm-mm-mm, not me. I can see it with these guys. You know, I've been a little suspicious of John myself, but I, I've got this one. You know, I'll, I'll die for you. I'm ready just to give my whole life for you. And Jesus says to Peter, In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, he says, Peter, he says, actually, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you by name that he may sift you like wheat. You don't know what you're up against, Simon. You don't know how strong the enemy is or how destructive his plans are for you. But then Jesus said, but Simon, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you are restored, when you're cured, strengthen your brethren. There's a cost. Well, and that's why Peter would tell us in 1 Peter 5 don't underestimate the devil. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking those he could devour. Peter learned not to underestimate the enemy, something we need to learn lest we suffer defeat. Here's the cost of defeat, verses four through nine. This is what we see with Joshua and Israel. We see in verse four, they fled before the men of Ai. You see 
when we are defeated, when we're holding on to sin, when we're walking in presumption, when we're underestimating the enemy, it will end up that we will be fleeing from the enemy. We'll constantly feel pursued. I have met people that say they don't pray about certain things because Satan comes after them when they pray about that thing. And you're like, are you kidding me? You're more interested in your comforts than a soul being saved? I had this one girl that came to me. She went to counsel with me. And she's like, you know what? I had these roommates at Bible college and I just felt something like about them that I don't think they were spiritual enough. So I moved out of that room. And then I moved to another room. And again, there was just this one chick. And I thought, no, her heart's not right. So I asked for another room. Now I'm in my third room and I'm telling you, I'm just feeling something. What do you think I should do? And I looked at her and I said, repent. Repent for your pride. Repent for wanting to live in your comforts and have an easy life. Repent for not going to battle with Jesus Christ for the souls of those girls in that room. Repent for not loving them enough to stay there and to fight for their souls and to fight for their hearts and to win them to Jesus. Repent. And she's like, whoa, is there someone else I could talk to at the church? I don't want to live my life looking over my shoulder like what's the devil doing now and how close is he? I don't want to feel the devil's breath on my back. That's not how I want to live my Christian life, always being pursued, always on the defensive. Like, what's the world doing now to us? No, I want to say, how is the gospel advancing? That's how I want to live my life. They were in retreat and they were afraid. Part of the cost of defeat is to feel pursued and afraid. If you feel afraid and pursued, if fear is dominating your life, you need, you need to take inventory. You need to find the cause of the defeat. Next, loss. Verses five through six, there was the loss of life. 36 men of Israel died. Now they were totally, totally disillusioned by this. They had fought against Jericho and not one life was lost. They had fought against Og and Bashan. Not one life was lost. But now 36 valiant men, 36 men who volunteered to go against Ai are dead. We're talking friends, comrades, fathers, sons, now like dead on the battlefield. There's a loss of ground. They were chased away from the gate of Ai all the way to Shebarim and struck down on the descent. It was all going downhill and they kept being picked off. There was a loss of leverage. They lost the advantage over the enemy. The enemy had been scared and now the enemy's like, they're not that strong. (laughs) Their God's not that strong. We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to give in. There's a loss of courage in Israel. The hearts of the people melted and became like water. The spirit of the people was discouraged. They had lost lives. 
They had lost land and they had lost leverage to the little city of Ai. And the thought is, if we can't even win this little city, how are we supposed to have all the promises of God? If I'm suffering a loss here from this little thing that keeps defeating me, how can I possibly claim all the promises of God? There was a loss of reputation before the enemies. Verse 9, the enemies were hearing, Israel's a loser. They're not that great. Don't be intimidated by the Red Sea anymore. So they had a loss of reputation. After Jericho, after Og, Bashan, the Red Sea, the people of the land were, were quaking in fear because they knew that God was going with them. And then there was the loss of God's blessing upon them. God couldn't bless them as long as sin was there. Oh, the sense of the loss of God's blessing. That I'm not sure whether I'm going to be fruitful. I love Paul's prayer in Colossians that we might be fruitful in every good work. That no matter what we do, we can count that God's going to prosper it and use it. The blessing of God. The blessing of God that says all things work together for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose. That absolute blessing, that assurity that no matter how bad it is, God's going to bring something good out of it. I love the blessing of God. I don't want to live my life without that blessing. I love the blessing of God. But also the presence of God, verse 12. They had the loss of the presence of God. God couldn't walk with them. Oh, I don't know what it would be to not walk with God. I remember one year of my life, my first year of college, walking in disobedience and sensing that God wasn't with me. And that sense of vulnerability, sensing that Satan could beat me up and take me down at any moment. It was horrific. Then the next cost of defeat Doubt, paralysis, and depression. We read verses six through nine that Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth before the ark of the Lord until evening. He couldn't move. He was unable to talk, to do anything. He was just there on his face before the ark. There was no place to go. Israel could not advance, but they couldn't go back. They had crossed a river. They had crossed a wilderness. They had crossed a sea. There was no place to go. No place to go backwards and no place to go forwards. And all the elders mourned with him and threw dust on their heads. There was depression, visible and internal. There was this feeling of doom. If we don't have God, As Moses said, if your presence does not go with me, do not ask me to leave this place. The sense of doom and vulnerability and nothing, nothing seems to be working out for the good. Joshua blamed the Lord. This is doubt. Doubt is when we blame the Lord. I thought you said I had some promise. I thought you said you were going to bring me into the promised land. See, he is doubting all the promises of God. He is doubting the word of God. He is doubting the goodness of God and the character of God. This is what happens when we walk in defeat. 
Joshua says, why have you done this to us? You haven't kept your word. This is your fault. We should have stayed where we were. We are totally without hope. You see, the cost of defeat is great. It is a loss. It is paralysis where we're stuck and it is doubt. Doubt of God's love, doubt of God's word, doubt of God's power, doubt of God's promises. And it is depression. It is the deepest form of mourning because it leaves you hopeless, without purpose, without cause. If our cause is not to come in and inherit the promises of God, then why are we here? And what is life about? There is no reason to live. That is defeat. Do you feel it? Yes. Now, let's go to the cure. Verse 10. I love verse 10. Because I'm telling you, when I've been in these places of defeat, I've heard this, get up. And I like the exclamation mark after get up. Like, get up. Get up. There's a cause for this. There's a reason for this. Get up. And the next thing is sanctify yourself. Get up. God says, why are you lying on your face? Quit blaming me. This is not my problem. This is your problem. You need to do something about the real issue because the issue is in the camp of Israel. It's on your side, not my side. I'm righteous. I'm perfect. I'm loving. I want to give you the promises. I'm all powerful. But there's this separation that you've allowed between yourself and me. And I cannot bless. And my presence can't go with you. Do something about the problem. In verses 11 and 12, sanctify yourself. Seek the Lord. God has the answer for our defeat. And here God revealed to Joshua the reason for defeat. It wasn't that when Joshua, you know, when God said, get up, sanctify yourself. It wasn't like God said, guess what the reason is. Guess. No, God's like, there's a reason. There's sin in the camp. And I want you to get to the sin. You know, God wants to lead us in victory. He wants to help us get out. I have to say those prayer times where they say, just confess your sin. And it's like 10 minutes and it's 12 minutes. It's like, I think I've really covered birth on up. You know, I believe that sin is obvious. That God will bring it. The moment we say it, it comes. Because the Holy Spirit is more interested in getting rid of this sin than we are in getting rid of it. The Lord is more interested in bringing us into the promises than even we are into getting into the promises. God wants to deal with it. So God reveals to Joshua the reason for defeat. Israel sinned, chata, which is the Hebrew word for sin, and it means to miss the mark. It's the same as the New Testament word hamatia, hamatia, which means to miss the mark. Israel missed the mark. In other words, they're not on the right longitude and latitude to enter the promises. They've gone off course. Israel has moved off course. They're no longer headed towards the promises. They're headed now towards doom and destruction. They're going the wrong way. They need to amend and get right back in alignment. Chata. And then God uses the the Hebrew word abar, 
Now, before we're told that he trespassed, and that was, was the word mal, but now it's a bar, which means violated. It means to go against the word. There is sin. Israel has sinned and gone against my word. And the whole nation was affected. How would they sin? By violating God's covenant, taking of the cursed thing, stolen, deceived, and someone has put it with their own stuff. In Hebrews 4.13, the author tells us that everything is open and naked before the eyes of God. You cannot hide from God. Remember Jonah trying to hide in the boat thinking God wouldn't see? God sees everything. The cause of Israel's defeat was sin, presumption, and underestimating the enemy. God showed them the cure when he said, sanctify yourselves. God wanted Israel to rededicate themselves back to him, his work, and his ways. The same is true for us today. If we find ourselves under the defeat of sin, we need to sanctify and rededicate ourselves back to the Lord and his work. God is merciful and gracious, and as we come, he will align us back into his ways and purposes. It all starts with seeking God and letting him lead us. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at second chances with God as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.